Hi everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today we are joined by Thomas Smith. Tom is a professor of orthopedic surgery, physiology, and pharmacology in the Institute for Regenerative Medicine, Biomedical Engineering at the Wake Forest School of Medicine. He is here to speak about the fundamentals of invasive blood pressure measurements for preclinical research. Let's jump in. Tom, could you please comment on, on the importance of anesthesia and core body temperature and, and maybe share some best practices with our audience? Uh, certainly. So we've had, a, our, our laboratory has had experience uh, in measuring arterial pressure in, in both rats and mice. And we found that in mice in particular, just the influence of anesthetic, even an anesthetic such as isoflurane, uh, which is relatively safe. It has quick recovery, but even isoflurane will cause a, a dramatic uh, decrease in core temperature in a mouse. So we have to be aware of that. And as the pressure, as the core temperature decreases, we can also have changes in arterial pressure in the mouse. So we have to be aware of that. We routinely will, will have the uh, mouse on a, on a warmed tray or table or pad and keep the mouse warm during the entire experiment and monitor core temperature uh, using thermocouples so that we can actually have a feedback controlled warming pad that will maintain the animal's core temperature at normal physiologic temperatures. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd, point, I'd point out that most laboratories are relatively cold for a mouse. Most laboratories are kept at a temperature that's comfortable for people, but that's really relatively cold for a mouse. Uh, so mice even just brought into a room are, are working a little harder to, to maintain core temperature. Very good. Question from Sachin's come in about, and, and actually a couple others, I believe Rita has asked this question as well, but they're interested in the potential of blood clots either over the catheter in a solid state situation or even in the fluid filled situation. Is, should this be a concern? What happens here in most measurements? Does this, does blood clotting perhaps affect the duration of recording that one could do? Tom, can you comment on this? I can. It depends again on your on your catheter system. If you have a solid state catheter, it's it's less likely uh, to occur. Brandon can discuss that. The fluid filled manometric systems do tend to have a certain amount of layering of blood into the catheter tip as the catheter remains within the animal. Each individual pressure pulse tends to move a few red cells into the tip of the catheter, which is usually usually facing integrate or upstream of the uh, blood flow. So there is some uh, layering of fluid out of the catheter and blood into the catheter, which can then eventually clot and which will definitely attenuate arterial pressure measurement. Mm -hmm. uh, we use, routinely use a mild heparinized solution to flush the catheters. Try not to heparinize the entire animal. Another, another technique is to have a very slow infusion of fluid through the whole system and the blood pressure waveform is superimposed upon that slight movement or gradual movement of fluid through the catheter. Again, the, the rate of flow is so low that it doesn't really generate a pressure that uh, will artificially bias your recorded pressure. But you're, you're absolutely right. If, if you put a catheter in or it's a chronic catheter that's long-term and it's only intermittently opened, over time, eventually that, that will clot off and there's not much you can do about it. Keep in mind that if, we, if you're doing a long-term experiment during the day and the catheter system requires repeated flushing, then additional fluid is being added to the vascular tree. So that may or may not have an effect. Okay. Brandon, anything? Yeah. I mean, 
I'd also add that, I mean, it is an issue with both types of systems to some degree. You know, you, you will see some um, deposits on top of the sensing elements during recording on a solid state system as well. The impact of that over an acute recording is is relatively negligible. The, the more important part actually is is proper cleaning afterward. The, the way that those deposits actually make the most impact on your system is if they're left over from when you did your sampling yesterday. And and those dried or hard components will have a, a much larger impact on, on the quality of your of your measurements later on. Perfect. And that's I'm glad you moved in that direction because actually that was going to be my next question that have come in from a few audience members. It's in terms of basically the reusability of each one shown. Fluid-filled catheters versus solid state. What's the reusability for a typical lab? What needs to be thought of? And and again, like what's the cleaning process to ensure that it is reusable and has a longer life? So any additional kind of best practices that AD Instruments uh, prescribes to their users? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, to address the manometric system, that one's obviously quite simpler. You can essentially, if, you're, if that's a concern of yours, you can use a new catheter the next time. It's relatively mm-hmm. inexpensive. So with a, with a solid state catheter, you know, there is quite a bit of material that we provided and, and you know, your your manufacturer, your your supplier of those catheters can can get you this information. There's a really good bit of material on how to take care of those. And that's the most important thing is to ensure that they're well taken care of. You know, in terms of the reusability, you know, the solid state systems are are gonna greatly depend on on how well you follow those 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 best practices. You know, do some reading ahead of time. Um, get yourself familiar with the process of, um, you know, both care during use, but also cleaning and care post-use. And if you do a good job at that, you're going to be able to reuse them to to a degree that, that you're going to be happy with. Um, so we have, you know, a wide range of success to that degree, and it really is going to be completely dependent on on that care and use aspect. That's that's really the best answer we have for people on on that one. Okay. No, that's, that's great. Next question. Tom, in your experience, is there an effect or should scientists be aware of any circadian rhythm when making their blood pressure recordings so that they can keep things consistent day to day and in their groups? Should they be making these, these measurements at the same time? And is there any effect of circadian cycle on making arterial blood pressure recording? Uh, thank you. Yeah, actually, there, there, there is a dramatic uh, circadian cycle to both arterial pressure and cardiac output in rodents, particularly rats. It, animals are nocturnal, so generally speaking, they sleep all day. Uh, about four in the afternoon, the animals begin to uh, become more active. Their heart rate tends to increase. Their blood pressure and cardiac output also tend to increase. Uh, and then they remain active up until about six or 6.30 in the morning. And then they're, they all go to sleep and their blood pressures drop back down. If, if one is really concerned about measurement of arterial pressure in a conscious animal, uh, you'd probably best go to a uh, reverse light-dark cycle and do all your studies in the dark. Otherwise, make your make your measurements at the same time of day and be, be aware that the animals that you bring down during the day were sleeping. So that imagine being awakened in the middle of the night and someone uh, puts you into a into a cylinder and and puts something on your on your uh, on your leg and pumps it up. That's it's going to be a little disorienting, particularly if you, mm-hmm. if you were you were asleep. Those are all things to keep in mind, but. It's best to make the measurement at the same time of day, if you can, in these species. Very good. That's a great answer. Next question, what parameters would require solid-state pressure catheter fidelity, in your opinion? And could you give maybe some examples? I think if you really wanted to measure uh, an accurate systolic and diastolic pressure in uh, 
in a rat or a mouse, particularly a mouse, you'd, you'd require a solid state system. It's really asking a lot of a catheter manometer system to be able to accurately measure systolic and diastolic pressure in the mouse. I think mm-hmm. your first first clue whether you have the adequate fidelity is whether or not you can see a dichronic notch within your within your uh, waveform, and uh, particularly if the mouse is conscious, and you want to have a uh, either a tether or something like that, or if the animal has got a high heart rate, basal heart rate, or you're testing a drug in the mouse, which causes an increase in heart rate. If it's a sympathomimetic, you would increase both heart rate as well as arterial pressure. So that could really uh, be very difficult to measure with a manometer system or a catheter system, and you really would require a, a, a solid-state pressure transducer. Brandon, any addition to that? Yeah, just just one uh, simple one. One of the things that Tom discussed earlier in the presentation was around phase shift. You know, one of the other key things to think about is what if one of your outcomes is something that requires a, a high degree of accuracy in terms of temporal resolution or, or timing of a particular element in the signal. Um, those phase shift elements are also going to impact that measurement as well. Think about that as you're as you're looking at your outcomes as well. Perfect. Okay. Is there not like is there a guide into which the I what size catheter is ideal for uh, vessel or animal model? I think the reason why I'm asking this is we've had a question come in about how small a catheter could be used on a larger animal, and I think the the question is coming from for those that study uh, small animals and large, can you actually get away with using smaller catheters on larger vessels, larger animals, or is there a risk or anything to be concerned about in that situation? I think it depends on uh, uh, what system you're using. If you're using a catheter manometer system, you you can you can give up or uh, you can lose certain degrees of fidelity by going with a smaller system. Usually, in a larger animal, the heart rate is slower. Uh, surprisingly, the systemic arterial pressures are very similar between pigs and dogs and rats and mice and mm-hmm. people. So that's 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 always a, a source of wonderment. But if you have a larger animal, you can put in a larger catheter and, and improve the fidelity of the system. The downside is you don't want to have a catheter that's so large that it it, it occludes the blood vessel. Usually, you want to have something that is, is you know less than than you know certainly less than than fifty or sixty percent of the blood vessel shouldn't be shouldn't be catheter. So need to need to think about that when you're when you're selecting a catheter system for a large animal. But if you had a solid-state device, it wouldn't matter. Wouldn't really matter if it was a, a small diameter or a large diameter. They both would be accurate within that application. Perfect, Brandon. Anything to add on that? Yeah, just you know the the way we answer this question, or I do, is is two points. I think you know the the larger catheters, you know, as it, as the question applies to solid-state systems, the larger catheters are going to be a bit more robust. So, you know getting away with a larger catheter or, or using a larger catheter will help you in that, that regard. But I think another important point with large animals is the type of insertion that you're actually doing. If you're going to insert a catheter in the femoral artery and say, you know, you're not going to actually be able to travel up the vascular tree very far with it with one of the smaller catheters. And the other issue with that is, you know, if you've got a lot of a lot of empty space in a in a in a vessel around your catheter, you can introduce some degree of artifact with that catheter moving around inside the vessel. Good point. So, good point. So it is a good idea to to do the best you can to to match up the size of your catheter system with the vessel you're actually putting it into. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. 
For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time.